there, podcast listener. I'm DC Benincasa with Missouri Business Alert. You're used to hearing the Speaking Startup podcast here, but for the next couple months, we're going to bring you something a little different, a new podcast called Market Dives. We'll dive into big developments across business, politics, sports, and more, explain the economic forces driving them, and help you understand why they matter in Missouri. We're excited to bring you this new show, and we hope you'll give it a listen. Now here's Market Dives. Last time, we examined four economic indicators to watch as we head into 2022. And this is part two of that episode. Welcome to Market Dives, a podcast that examines big economic stories and explains their effect on the show me state. I'm DC Benincasa, and I am once again joined by my co-host Coleman Mitchell. Well, in this episode, we are going to cover indicators that will tell us about the overall health of the economy as we head into 2022. Which indicator should we start with, Coleman? Let's start with the simple question. Do you think that the economy is going to improve in the next six months? That's Brad Jones, the Missouri Director for the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Is there an indicator that quantifies feelings about the future economy? There are several. But in this case... Jones is talking about a component of the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index that asks businesses whether the economy will improve in the next six months. Jones's organization does an economic trend survey each month, and he says this question is one of the survey's most important. What have been the results for this question over the past few months? Owners expecting better business conditions decreased to net negative 38% in November, tied for the lowest level in nearly half a century. This indicator has declined 18 points over the past four months to its lowest level since November 2012. Why is small business confidence decreasing? Jones says it's decreasing because of a familiar culprit, labor shortages. Uh, You've got over 50% of our small businesses out there that actually have job openings, and um, you know, that's, that's a problem, uh, when you don't have people to come work, um, and, you know, we're paying them more, uh, we're seeing wages, uh, that are, that are much higher than they were two or three years ago. And so, which, you know, as we talked about adds to the inflationary issues, but, um, right now the biggest problem I think for small business people is, is finding people to work. Besides, obviously, businesses' confidence in the economy, what do these results tell you? Business confidence is important because it can tell you the likelihood of economic growth. When business confidence is high, businesses are more likely to invest in technology and labor, increasing economic growth and decreasing unemployment. When it's low, they are likely to save money and scale back costs, decreasing investment and laying off workers. Well, let's hope business confidence picks back up. Coleman, what's our next indicator? Our next indicator focuses on what the auto manufacturing market in 2022 will look like. There's been a lot of talk over the last year or so about the global microchip shortage and how that has affected production and output. Right. That's important in Missouri for a lot of reasons, especially because it affects thousands of people's jobs. General Motors has plants in Kansas City and St. Louis areas. Ford has a plan of its own in Kansas City, and chip shortages have forced all three facilities to shut down for stretches over the last two years. Okay, so what's 2022 going to look like? Coleman, what should we be keeping an eye on? 
One figure that came up in our reporting was the inventory to sales ratio. This is used to denote how the end of month inventory compares to total sales for a month. The inventory to sales ratio for car sat at 0.39 in October, a record low for the figure usually drifting between 2 and 3. With the number of car sales ticking up slightly in October, that low ratio is seen as evidence that the shortage isn't going away anytime soon. We talked with James Noble, a professor at the University of Missouri who focuses on industrial manufacturing systems, and he had this to say on the outlook for chip fab or chip fabrication. The thing that makes the, the, the uh, chips such a challenge is capacity is inelastic. inelastic. You know, I mean, a, a, a chip fab operation is over a billion dollars worth of investment. And that takes, you know, you're talking, you know, years, you know, a year or two to actually build that. Um, so you can't just, boom, make more, more capability. Interesting. So it seems like this problem could be sticking around for a while then. Exactly. Noble talked about how at the start of the pandemic, when demand for cars went down, chip production was modified so that the majority of chips were being used for personal electronics. This result is a shortage, and he believes it could be close to mid-2022 before we see a change. I was talking with someone about this probably six months ago, and at that point, I was asked the same question. I said, I know the the impact, the the recovery will not be months. And so it's been six months since then. (laughs) Um, So I think if I had my crystal bar, it says by, you know, maybe summer, you know, another six months would put us at the beginning of a year from my original thought. (laughs) And so I guess I I see, you know, at that point, uh, the ability to respond given this, the, the magnitude of the supply chain disruptions. That they've had I've second, you know, second, third quarter before I before we would see a, a huge amount of impact difference. Another thing that Noble pointed out that could be worth watching is whether companies learn from this problem. He talked about how a lot of auto manufacturing companies have adopted a method over the past few decades where inventory is intentionally kept low. This has produced an industry that isn't really resilient when it comes to shocks to the system making incidents like the microchip shortage particularly crippling. And there's a, a really good academic study that was done looking at the fact that the, the cost of overestimating the probability of a disruption is less than the cost of underestimating it. And, and that's, that's, that's a little counterintuitive, <laughs> but you have to realize that these, these disruptions truly have major implications, you know, and we, we've seen it, you know, here, and uh, there's been some, um, the McKinsey uh, Research Group has done some really good characterization of, the, of the, the frequency and the magnitude of disruptions that are occurring that are going to hit the supply chain. Now we turn to real estate and housing. The rising price of housing across the country has been a major story for the last two years. Most of the U.S. is still a seller's market currently, and Missouri is no exception. While home prices are a common market indicator, I talked with one Missouri realtor who is also keeping an eye on foreclosure rates. That's not what I was expecting. Why are real estate professionals looking at this indicator? I spoke with Columbia real estate broker Kim Coleman. She said that foreclosure rates are a good indicator for the health of a local economy. Of course, foreclosure is the legal process by which a lender attempts to recover the amount owed on a defaulted loan by taking ownership of the mortgage property and selling it. 
Foreclosure rates are the percentage of all outstanding loans that are in the foreclosure process at a given point in time. Okay, and what's that rate like here in Missouri? Missouri has seen a foreclosure rate below 0.5% since the latter part of 2020, according to the National Association of Realtors. Missouri's rate has been under 1% for the last five years, but the latest figures are the lowest in recent memory. So they look at foreclosure rates. That's one thing in Columbia you don't see a lot of is foreclosures. You do see them some, and I, it's really a good indicator of how our economy is going because we did, about 20 years ago, we had a lot of foreclosures. Um, but since then, it's very rare to find a, very, a lot of foreclosures in Columbia. You do find them occasionally. Foreclosures are more common in economically distressed areas. Here's Coleman again. Uh, generally speaking, you're going to see a lot of foreclosure rates in areas where there just are no jobs and, and there's no income for people to keep up those payments. We've got one more indicator to go, right, Coleman? Correct. Something that has changed for businesses over the past two years has been adopting a more flexible schedule for their employees and how they work. Businesses of all sizes have been allowing people to work from home or follow some sort of hybrid schedule where they are splitting time at home and at a physical office location. Right. This has been a major shift over the past 20 months. Did we find someone who was able to say if there is anything to indicate that this trend will continue? Yes. An indicator to keep track of next year is the market share that co-working spaces occupy. We checked in with Gerald Smith the CEO of PlexPod, which is a Kansas City-based company offering shared workspaces. He says currently, locations like PlexPod make up less than 5% of the commercial real estate. But that number is expected to grow significantly in the next several years, with the pandemic accelerating the shift to different workspaces. I, I think the data starts with you know, the shift, um, you know, if you go back and look at uh, research that was pointing uh, for a decade or two decades from now, uh, without pandemic, this is what was projected. So this hybrid workspace, this concept of more flexibility in the workspace. So the pandemic just accelerated everything. And um, and in doing so, it accelerated it where, you know, you know, revenues cut in half. And I mean, it just was has been a horrible 20 months. But uh, all indicators are extremely positive. Uh, for our industry. What exactly is driving this shift for companies? Is it a cost thing or a flexibility thing? Or is it down to just what employees are asking for? Smith attributes most of it to a combination of what companies are looking for and what workers are asking for. On one hand, companies don't want to be burdened with a long-term lease that they have to honor and might be expensive to get out from under. Then on the employee side, there's a variety of things that are enticing for workers. I think what what the biggest benefit is is that option. It's that third location that is of my choosing. Um, often there's little as I want, um, and it puts me in an environment with other professionals. And one of the highest ranking, especially with millennials and um, and Gen Zers, is this attitude of I. First of all, there's more and more mistrust of larger corporations, but when larger corporations offer the option of you working with your friends, all of that goes away. And that's what this environment is. It's literally I can work next to someone that works for a different company, but they're a friend of mine. And that is a dramatic change in the workspace. The pandemic has brought changes to the entire economy and workplace. The severity of possible new variants will affect each of the indicators we've talked about. 
So, watching the state of the pandemic will be as important as ever in 2022. As always, thank you to Horse Lords for providing the music for this episode. And thank you so much for listening this week. This is Market Dives, a KBIA and Missouri Business Alert podcast. For my co-host Coleman Mitchell and producers Ian Laird, Connor Giffen, and Emily Hood, I'm DC Benicasa. Thank you.